Hello and welcome to the Building Cities Shaping Lives podcast, where we talk about how architecture, engineering, and managed services are shaping the world that we live in. This podcast is brought to you by the Sabana Jurong Group. I'm your host, Daniel Lee, and I'm part of the SJ Group communications and branding team. We can easily recognize cities by their skylines, iconic structures that are an important part of the identity of a place. But at the same time, some say that many skylines are looking more and more similar as established buildings are replaced by generic skyscrapers. How can a global approach to design transform cities for the better, while remaining sensitive to local needs and positively impacting lives? I'm joined today by Yo Siu Hyap, who leads the SJ Global Architecture Team in ASEAN and North Asia, as well as SAA Architects. He's a board member of the Board of Architects of Singapore and was behind many award-winning projects, including Changi Airport Terminal 4, Woodlands Health Campus and North Point City. Welcome to the studio, Suhyap. Well, thank you, uh, Daniel. Thanks for joining us. So you are passionate about the impact that buildings can have on people. So let's start with the impact that buildings have on you. When you walk into a building, what's the first thing that you notice? So user experience is always uh, number one to me because uh, buildings are built for people. Uh, and architecture is really about the people itself and the community. So... So the first thing that I would really look at is, uh, is this building design right? Obviously, visually, most people would, you know, would feel, wow, this is a beautiful space that's created. Mm-hmm. This is, uh, you know, fit for its purpose, that's yeah. designed for. You would probably also look at, you know, start beginning to look at the floor, the wall, the finishes. You would likely to be impacted by more of the people that greets you, apart from the physical space. Design is really about the people. And that really is about the social habits. You talk about the you know, historical, you talk about culture, etc. So these are the things that define the way people behave. Is it really something that you design for them or you, you're introducing something that is foreign? Mm-hmm. All right? And you might find that the user themselves may not be able to adapt to it. You need to study right? what really bring the people using the space, how do people manage the space and of course eventually how do people operate the space right so the whole life cycle of a building is not about looking just a nice looking building or a space but how do you actually put all these things together that eventually you say I have designed a good building all right which everybody's uh, take delight when they, 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 they go to this building as designers we, we need to understand the habits the social impact, the people, the, the, the way people come together, the way people interact. Every culture is very different, not just country to country, but even just ethnic group. It makes a world of difference, the way people use it. Yeah. Can you actually give me some examples of this uh, diversity and how it actually impacts the way that you design spaces? Because just now you mentioned spaces that bring joy, right? I think personally, right. I really enjoyed Nix and North Point City. Yeah. Some of my favorite malls to be in as well. Right. So I wanted to understand based on that, how do these typologies, for example, an airport or something like Nix or North Point City, how do these change You know, based on different cultures, different countries that you interact with? How do you modify in the case of Singapore, it's interesting because you are pluralistic. And, and because of that, you, you start looking at what kind of space that you create that you actually multicultural, right? So you look at what is meaningful to, for example, let's say for Yishun, you start looking at the history. What kind of interior uh, design that you should actually bring about that, that rekindles that kind of thinking? That people who, who want to know part of the, the history of this place. So they will not just be another 
internal spaces or more that you go to that you, you can't relate, but it's like trying to redefine what Yishun was all about in the past. That has uh, done quite successfully in uh, North Point City, where not just a shopping mall, but it's an integrated development, we got transit-oriented development, TOT, next to the MRT station, and that brings a lot of difference, different uh, group of people coming there, going there as well. And if you, if you notice... It is not just uh, the, the, the new building, but it's an integration of two other buildings, not point one, not point two, and it's like the not point three. When they come together, we created a city. And that's why the word not point city came about. Uh, interestingly, we did the not point one in 1990. Uh, I remember I used to stay there, and it was like the station, the last station, and it was like, wow, every day I go back, I get a shopping mall, right? So it's something very new for the urban estate, you know, in HTB. And and one, uh, North Point City was the first one. And then that's why when we were doing the North Point 3, it was like, wow, we get to integrate the entire thing together. And that project itself really turned the entire North of Yishun into a very vibrant and also uh, rekindled the entire community life there. All right? uh, the bus interchange was integrated and the MRT is integrated. The parks, you had the shopping mall. You have the residents, almost a thousand units up there, and you have the bigger issue. So it has become a place to go to and bring people together, and that has really served the function of a, a TOD project where connectedness and connectivity becomes a key. People come together. I could be staying in the north of issue, but you are from the south of issue, but we meet in the middle. You know, So the whole project has actually brought about uh, really shaping lives, which is one of the things that is key to us. And the design thinking that we have of being urbanistic is really what is this building to the environment? How do you interweave within the environment? You talk about being humanistic, right? Really, everybody gathers together, comes together, even strangers come together, right? So that, that really serves its function. And lastly, of course, uh, optimistic. All these buildings really bring people together and, and bring delight to the lives of people. Actually, I think I really like the story of North Point, right? That this is really placemaking, yeah? turning it from a place far north in Singapore. So for those of us listening who may not have been to Singapore, who uh, might not have fully experienced this space, this used to be you know, pretty much a, a, fishing. a fishing area. Village, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So transforming a fishing village into really suburban hub of sorts. And you guys really started. Actually, I didn't know this story that SAA was behind North Point 1 and mm. how that really transformed the space and really coming full circle, full circle. with linking together North Point 1, 2, 3 into North Point City. I think that's a great story. You know, you have the idea of public housing or what we Singaporeans call HDB and how mm. we are turning this into a space, bringing together community. Yeah. And I think one thing I wanted to understand from that is how do we take this model that works in Singapore? So uh, maybe Singaporean constraints on land on having to build into a fishing village, for example. And how do we then export that? So how do we take this model that might have worked in Singapore? Do the same constraints apply when we apply this typology in other markets or in other parts, other cultures? In fact, this, uh, the entire idea of TOD is nothing, not new. In, in older cities that are well connected in their mass rapid transit system, which is subway or metro, uh, yep. depending on the country, in high-density city, in, in a lot of people moving, convenience of people taking train and interchanges and all that. So that concept ha- can happen because we do have a sophisticated transport system in Singapore, right? And we started in the 80s, of which, uh, of course... SA is a pioneer in, uh, in, in MRT and transport uh, uh, since the uh, 80s. And now moving out of Singapore, especially in the region, uh, 
in Asia Pacific, in China, in Southeast Asia, they are relatively new. Uh, China is beginning to see a number of them. And in Southeast Asia, the transmit system is still coming up. So we are going into that space especially. We have been invited to talk about it. We invited to participate in the design. But we need to adapt, right? Because it's, uh, for example, in the North Asia, they, all, they have four seasons. They have four seasons, right? So doing, uh, like in our part of Singapore, South Asia, you may have shops running around. You grab something, you walk and run, right? But in a climate that's winter, you just, just grab and run, right? So the designer thinking process, the way people walk and ways people connect, is, is quite different. Uh, working for all major cities in the world. Now, how do I bring this there? I start looking back to fundamental, the, the social fabric, the people, the way they use the space, they do they do public transport, how do they interact, etc. So you need to you need to, you know, use that lessons you learn, use the new things that are uh, that you learn, and then you put them together, you know, and you, you, you basically uh, you know, test it out. So we, we have done a, a research on TOD, a very comprehensive um, almost like a manual for us. We had done the research uh, uh, doing all these theories that we had and, and look at what are really the ingredients that make it successful and, and then how can we adapt to the environment. It's really designing for the people and the community. So wherever we go, we need to bring that along and we need to really understand before we can do uh, successful projects there. So design plays a huge part right, in shaping the way people use the space, in shaping the experience of when I come to this place, all right? So in SAA, in the SGA group, uh, when we design, we really look at what really this building wants to be and how this developer or client uh, come to you with a proposal and how do you add value, right? By looking at the three things that we talk about, urbanistic, humanistic, and omnistic, and guide us and share with our client, work with our client, and give all options that they have so that at the end of the day, it will be a building that is designed that fit for their purpose and also meet the needs of the user. So we have done a lot of work across, right? Uh, transport, aviation, mixed development, residential, schools, etc. I mean, all these come together, right? We don't look at individual as like this is the building type, but we really look at how all the building types come together all right, because many things that you design, if you're talking about the people, the common is people, right? The common is community. That's common, right? So the typology should not define these people. These people defines the typology, right? And how do you put them into one? So that's where we start looking at uh, when we design, whether it's in Singapore or outside Singapore. If we look at the people, really, versus what this building will look like, more importantly, then we will get it right, all right? Because at the end of the day, forms follow function is something that all designers will look at, right? You have no function, there's no building to talk about, right? So it's a good balance. We're not saying form uh, function only or form only, but the fact is that they are both equally important because the built environment is about building you create in an environment that is already there, you are filling in. So the interstitial relationship between buildings to building becomes very important. But another angle to that, and I think very Singaporean angle again, and how this then applies to the wider world, what about constraints? What are some constraints that you have had to factor into your design process and how has that shaped the way that we approach you know, the spaces as well? Yeah. 
constraints are always there, right? Sometimes I ask my designers, if I give a piece of white paper, there's no constraint. Design me a building, right? You don't know how to start and you don't know how to end because there's actually no constraints. So sometimes it's very interesting, right? You say, okay, let's break down all walls and, and let's start from a clean sheet of paper. You can't do anything, right? Interesting for, for us as Singapore architects, we live in a country where we have only about 730 kilometers square. It's, it's very small, very small. I think one thing you learn well is planning, you know, very disciplined in your planning, very clear, very efficient. You, you, so even before the word sustainability happened, we're already doing it because you are so small, right? So you really need to think a lot more than others. I look at Tokyo, you know, you look at, I mean, the way, the way they be organized, right? So in the same way, you look at that. Uh, the constraint has also has also molded us the way the way we, we, we design things. It happens, right? So in the same way, when you when you go to any project, even in Singapore, there are constraints, right? Constraints of land size, constraint of the height, constraint of the setback, you know, the roads, etc. Outside Singapore, there will be the same constraints, all right? As architects, we are supposed to be creative people. All right. We we need to look at the the constraint, but it should not constrain us. All right. You should know that there are constraints because it isn't necessary. But I think I also wanted to jump on one biggest constraint, so to speak, which is the entire notion of climate change, the entire notion of the need or the limited resources that we have and that we are rapidly using. So I wanted to understand, based on that, what's the role of sustainability or one of your, favorite, or your pet topics of regeneration as well? Mm. What are some of these things that we can think about or how can designers shape that, bringing together that diversity of knowledge? Right. In the word sustainability well, has been used for well, maybe almost 20 years already. People mm. have been talking about it, right? And for Singapore being a small state uh, with uh, finite resources, I think we have done well. We're done well, right? For a small state. Because you have so little, therefore you use the little that you have. But as you move forward, I mean, it's no longer just a state problem, it's a global problem, right? Being sustainable in design has always been try to use the minimum for the maximum effect, you know? Being sustainable should not just, should not just be, I will design something, I will comply with the code, and um, I'm fine, right? But that really doesn't bring you very far, okay? We really look to look at beyond just the word sustainable, right? A practice itself cannot just try to do something minimum. It must really go for the maximum, right? Because then the first thinking would be, how do I minimize my energy to not 10%, but 50%? How do I do a design that is passive, that I design from day one, right? That means from day one, I want to have this outcome. There must be a change in mind shift, all right? This word is overused, all right? It's really building into the behavior of people, all right? Not just designers, really the people. Because if we are designers, we design a space of this nature, right? We are telling the people who are using it, right? Hey, you must also accept, you must also be part of this. I think there's a lot of education, a lot of teaching, a lot of guiding people, creating spaces, designing spaces, designing systems that really would help people to move there, right? Then we talk about, of course, the other big word, circular, right? Circular economy. Then you talk about 
Sustainable talk about relating to people, relate to economy, relate to the planet, right? That means I use the minimum, it helps me in my economy, it helps me the people, right? That's about sustainable. But as you go into circular economy, you talk about reuse, you talk about recycle, you talk about regenerative. The future is really to look at circular economy. It, it just started the last few years talking about it, but it's not just about built environment, it's about everything that you do, right? Uh, how regenerative it can be. I feel it's a long way. It's a long, hard journey, uh, but it must start somewhere, right? And um, and we embrace that. Um, and we, we, we wish and hope uh, that we can do it in a small way, at least from our design uh, uh, strategy and our approach. But we can we must start somewhere. I think in Sabon Joint Group is something that leadership, we, we, we are very uh, mindful. And, and, and that's why we do, uh, you know, super low energy building. You know, we are one of the market leaders in this area. We want to see how we could use uh, renewable energy as much as we can. We are big in that area as well. So this is uh, the, the direction that the group mm. wants to take. So this is what we will do about the future of architecture, that yeah. making designers a responsible citizen, all right, a global citizen, that as you go out to the market, when you design, you have this common goal in mind. It is not about complying with a certain standards or code in a country, right? But have a bigger aspiration that we are doing this. We are global architectures speak for something. I think what really stands out to me here is that first, it's a very multidisciplinary approach. It's not just going in with a purely architecture lens, but as you said, everything from how we cool and uh, engineer building. But before that, how do we even consider which spaces need to be air conditioned in the first place? My original qu closing questions was actually about the future of design. Where do you see the future of design? But we turn that around based on what you just said. So I'm going to ask you two questions that sound very similar, but they're quite different. First question is, why are you still an architect? Why, why are you an architect? And the second question is, why are you still an architect? Why am I an architect? I have never chosen to be an architect, actually. <laughs> Interestingly, yes. Yeah, I, I became an architect by, by accident, you know, and I didn't know why. why I, 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 I must say that when I chose architecture, it's almost like, I think that's the only cause that, that is the only cause that I want to, that, that, that I don't mind doing, you know, it's the other way around. Right. So it wasn't something like, you know, most people, wow, I want to be an architect. I, I never had. I never had, honestly. But I, it grew on me, you know. And I, I'm happy that I, I, I managed to join a firm which is related to SA. My first job. SJ is my second job in my entire career. And, and that first job uh, opens up, you know, the whole thing about architecture. And really bring to me not a building, you know, but really looking at the project and getting excited. And as I move along each of the projects, I spent many years outside Singapore. I, I do a lot outside Singapore when I graduated. And that was one of the advice I wanted to give to young architects, go out. So I spent a lot of time out of the country. And of course, Singapore as well. But uh, I learned a lot more there because you really are able to apply. So that keeps me going. Every project, and the next project is always exciting. I, it's really that passion that I discovered, right? That, that my creativity and my design skill can really help to do something meaningful. That is what I want the young people to do, that you can make a lot of difference, right? When we talk about changing the world, uh, an architect does have uh, that ability to do it. They should see, they should see themselves quite differently. We have done projects that are 
really award-winning and at the same time also change lives. Uh, I hope those, those are the things that will define them and those are the things that will put them going. Building cities, shaping lives, right? It must really be internalized. And, and that when I do it, you mean it that, oh, okay, whatever I do is going to shape lives. The environment, the, the environment should not just change you, right? You, you should be the change. You should be the change, right? Uh, uh, that will last. That will last. It's a very important note to close with. Thanks so much, Yuhia. Thank you. So, and with that, thank you for listening to Building Cities, Shaping Lives, a podcast by the Sabana Jurong Group, where we talk about how architecture, engineering, and managed services are shaping the world that we live in. I'm Daniel Lee, a communicator with the SJ Group. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platforms and please consider leaving us a review to help make our future episodes better. That's all for today. See you next time.